Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today I have one ask for you. If you are enjoying the show, if you are learning anything at all, if you have any takeaways today, please do me a huge favor and share the show for us. Whether that is sharing on social media, whether that's texting a friend or mentioning it to someone at work, I cannot thank you enough for your support. We literally cannot grow this show without your support, without your sharing the show, sharing the things that you are enjoying. Um, I, I just can't, I cannot thank you enough. So today's guest is none other than John Eldridge. John is an author, a counselor, and a teacher. He's the president of Wild at Heart, which is a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God, recover their own hearts in God's love, and learn to live in God's kingdom. John grew up in the suburbs of Los Angeles and spent his boyhood summers on his grandfather's cattle ranch in eastern Oregon. He earned his master's degree in counseling from Colorado Christian University and worked as a counselor in private practice before launching Wild at Heart in 2000. In 2001, John authored the book Wild at Heart, Discovering the Secret of a Man's Soul, and I am not blowing smoke at all when I say it, but this book absolutely changed my life. In episode 10 of this podcast, I explained the life lessons and conversations with God that led me to starting this whole podcast, Dad the Man, and this book, Wild at Heart, played a monumental role in helping me find solid ground in my faith and confidence in who God called me to be during that time. You know, it isn't every day that you get a chance to chat with somebody who has made um, just an absolutely massive impact on your life. And there's no doubt that I was extremely excited, even a little nervous, and maybe even just a little bit starstruck for this one. But above it all, John is an incredible man, husband and father, and it is an absolute honor to share this conversation with him. So here's my conversation with the John Eldridge. And we're live. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today we have with us my favorite author of all time. So he has written so many wonderful books. But I have to say, there's one in particular that I believe he's probably the most well known for. And it was the one that he wrote about 20 years ago now called Wild at Heart. So with us in person on the podcast is the one and only John Eldridge. Now, John, I do want to take a quick second um, before we jump in and get into the conversation today. And I just, I just want to thank you. We talked a little bit about this before we went live. I just want to thank you um, for the work that you do and the way that you've, you've dedicated your life into, into helping men in the way that you have. And, you know, I can tell you, I'm on the list of the thousands and thousands and thousands of men whose lives you have played a pivotal role in saving and restoring and reclaiming. You know, I, I'm a better Christian, I'm a better husband, and I'm a better father as a result of following your work, reading your work. And I can also say, I don't, I really don't believe that this podcast, this adventure that I'm on with this would have come to fruition in the way that it has, had I not read Wild at Heart. So I just want to put all that out there as sincerely as I can. Thank you for me to you for doing what you do, for helping people the way that you do. And, uh, and also for making some time for us today. This is a huge honor to have you on the show. So I just want to thank you right off the bat. So with all that being said, John Eldridge, welcome to the Dad the Man podcast. Thanks, Brandon. <clears throat> I'm, I'm really honored. I, I think that says as much about you as it does about me. You know, your good soil, the seed that fell on good soil. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, stoked what God has done and what he continues to do through that message is, is pretty beautiful. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So, you know, I, I, I mentioned the book wild at heart and, uh, and obviously I, I've, I've mentioned the impact just a little bit about the impact that it's had on my life. Long story short is it has been huge in my life. It's made so many things make sense to me as a man, as God made me. Um, and, and not rejecting, I guess, the masculine qualities about myself. So I'd love to start our conversation today, maybe talking about the book Wild at Heart. And if you're okay sharing it, I'd love to hear a little bit of the backstory behind where this book came from. Like when, if for anyone who's read it, 
or who's go or is going to read it after they they listen to this conversation today they're probably going to feel what i and so and thousands of others have felt and it's just it's just so universal like it's as as i'm as i'm reading the book every line i'm like i mean i'm trying to take notes for this conversation and every i, I mean i almost rewrote the whole book again and just like it's it all is so universal so i'd love to know like what was going on in your life when you wrote this book like what was this writing process like where did where did wild at heart come from Yes, that's a great entry point. It came from two places. It came from my work with men as a therapist. I was a young counselor, 35 years old, um, just getting my practice started. And it came out of my personal life. It was both. I was raising three young boys mm -hmm. and I was trying to figure out some of my own brokenness, uh, having come out of an alcoholic home and, and sort of almost being like a homeless street kid for part of my life. I was trying to put all that together. And no matter what my clients would bring in, you know, I'd, I'd have a guy come in, you know, with a addiction recovery work, or I'd have a guy who was in a divorce or, or coming out of a depression. No matter what the story was, I kept hearing the same thing. It was the cry of the masculine heart. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I was finding it in myself. I was seeing it in these three young boys I was raising. And, and part of the deal was is that I had, I had gone really off the rails in my career. I'd wound up in DC in a, in a high kind of corporate job that I just hated. Mm -hmm. And, and I, lo I lost heart. I really did. I lost a lot of my heart. I lost my passion, my focus. And, and, and so I'm sorting through all that. And I start giving some talks around town, you know, different people, groups, churches would say, hey, hey, come talk to us about your work with men, you know, and talk about the men I'm seeing and talk about my own story. And like you said, the reaction was, holy cow, me too. Like every guy I talked to. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's, there's one less fun part of the story. So I'm a nobody, like I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Christian counselor in Colorado Springs and not a famous author. I'd written, I'd written two books. Well, I'd written one book. I'd written Sacred Romance with my, my dear uh, therapist friend, Brent. Um, publisher calls back and says, hey, you want to write again? And I said, yeah, I've got this book for men I really want to do. And, and they said, nah. <laughs> they, they said, we're not interested in that. Books for men don't sell. And, and of course, Man. that story now is legendary at that oh, publishing yeah. house because that, <laughs> that guy doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so right, put out this book um, and it's, you're right. Like the, um, Brendan, the, the universal nature of it, like this book is being used in the Medellin uh, cartel drug prisons in Colombia. Wow. And guys are getting healed and, and coming to Christ and getting set free. It's, it's in a Catholic monastery in Slovakia. It is all over the world because, and, and the reason it's not, it's not necessarily the brilliance of the book, but what you and I are talking about is there is something core to every man's heart. Mm -hmm. And as we tap into that, like your experience, you're like, what? Like, you're reading my mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how universal it is. It, it, like it's, it's almost shocking. And I guess, I think one of the themes and you get right into it at the beginning of the book, but it's just this permission, right? It's like all these, these things that we felt and the things that we like, the tendencies that we have and the, the, the natural inclinations, like the little fires within us that it's, it's almost like over the course of our lives, maybe we just I don't know if we're, if we're told to put those out or if we ignore them in the pursuit of something else or whatever it is, but this book is like the permission, like those things are good. Like that is the reflection. Uh, we are made in the reflection of God in the image of God. So that is a piece of him that's been put in us. Like it is, it's, it's crazy to try to neglect that. So with, with permission being at the, at the, at the core of it, at the heart of it, it raises an interesting question to me because it's, like, obviously within us, there, there's a warrior within all of us, right? And there, we have this battle to fight. But we also, like, like me and like so many of the people who have fallen in love with your work, 
we need this, like this push to, to bring it out of us. Right. How do you, how do you view that? Like, how do you think we've gotten to this place in the world where I guess we need that as men, like, like we're in a position now where all these beautiful masculine tendencies have been suppressed so much that we need them to be, you know, dramatically drawn out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's the culture, right. Mm -hmm. Which has gone really sour on masculinity and even on gender. You know, we, we live in a, in a time now that gender isn't really even believed in Mm -hmm. anymore. And, and gender is something that's kind of fluid and you sort of move in and out of it. And, um, so you have the, you have a, you have a deeply confused culture with a lot of heartache in it, right? Like that doesn't bring life to people. Um, and, and then you have every man's personal story mm-hmm. and, and there, the story of your life is the story of where you lose heart. That's, that's every person's story. And it, it may have been in grade school. It may have been, you know, when your parents divorced, it may have been not making, you know, the division one school you wanted to go to, or, you know, on and on it goes, the girl that broke your heart, that kind of thing. And so we lose heart. Mm-hmm. Everybody loses heart. That's just part of the story. Uh, but now we're in, we're in a culture that's also kind of dogpiling on that. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I want to say, you know, there's some reason for that. Our prisons are not filled with young women, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like it's young men who commit most of the violent crimes in the world. And so we've looked at that as a culture and said, wow, masculinity can be harmful. Therefore we need to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my message is no, 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 no. Like, you know, medicine can be harmful. Like education can be harmful. You, you, you don't get rid of it. You make sure it's good and right and whole mm-hmm. and, and headed in a good direction. So we're trying to, you know, come back around and say masculinity is a very, very powerful thing for good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Like those guys, the guys who ran up the stairs in the twin towers when everybody else was running down on 9-11, mm-hmm. that's masculinity. Yep. And, and if you if you want men to behave bravely and to live sacrificially, well, you you got to build that into boys. You know, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't just happen, right? So I'd say it's those two things, Brennan. You you've got the personal story of father wounds, mother wounds. You know where we lose heart, and then you've got this cultural story that's just right now crushing. Right. And, uh, you know, when I think about, or, or the way I try to think about bringing a solution to any problem that I see oftentimes, I, you know, it's, I'm, tr- I try to take the standpoint of what can I fix in myself that may result in a ripple effect in the world. And the biggest ripple effect that I feel like I can make is in leading my two young kids. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So like, that's where most of my effort really goes. And, I, and, and I've been very in tune with that recently. And, and reading Wild at Heart is really, I mean, it's, it's one of those light bulbs that went off that I mentioned before. So what I want to try to do, what I think about is with my kids, like, how can I, I guess, help to forward that, that permission from God to be masculine, to be wild, to be, to seek adventure, to be comfortable with risk? Like, I guess, what are the things that we can do as fathers of young boys to help forward along that permission? Oh, man, I love this question. It's such a good question. <clears throat> so let's understand the heart of the boy for a second. And then if we want to riff on the heart of little girls, we can do that next. But um, every little boy has two core needs. He needs to know that his dad adores him. And he needs to know that he has what it takes. And, and so good fathering is a blend of those two things. So I adore you. Like you're worth my time. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm, I'm not always gone. You know, I, I don't come in from work with nothing left to give. Right. Mm-hmm. I got something in the tank for you. Let's ride bikes. Let's read books. Let's go, you know, build a tree fort. Let's just goof around. Let's just goof around. You are worth my time. I really enjoy being with you. Oh my gosh. Like every little boy just craves that. Mm-hmm. And, and like, okay. So like a heartbreaking story, a friend of mine, his dad, just left, literally just left, walked out the door one day when he was three years old. Mm. He stood in the window of his living room for months 
every afternoon at 5.30, hoping his dad would come back. God, I mean, awful. it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, you see, the craving is, will you be there? Mm-hmm. Am I worth your time? Do you delight in me? So you just really Im- imbue into your son, I adore you. Mm-hmm. I adore you. And then the core question every little boy has is, do I have what it takes? Yep. And, and I got, so what's fun now is I'm redoing all this. I have grandsons now. Yep. My sons have become young men. They're starting their families and they're really, really good young men. And now we've got these little guys coming along. Oh, yeah. It is insane to watch. <laughs> if you like the whole gender thing, these little boys, you don't have to train them. So I have a 16 month year old grandson and all he wants to do is climb to the top of the little play school ladder and throw himself off. <laughs> and it's like, the wildness is there. The yeah. adventure is there. We bless it. We bless it. And you got to set your son up to win. There's got to be places in his life where he feels like he's, he's crushing it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and this is really important because that's going to vary from kid to kid. Some, some little boys, they're loving their schoolwork and they're, mm-hmm. they're crushing it there. And so you celebrate that and that's great, you know, and he's in speech class or whatever, you know, this isn't just about making the football team, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's in choir and that's where he is killing it you go there and you bless Mm -hmm. that and you celebrate that okay but um but you also need to call your boy into courage because every little boy has realms of his life that that he's going to shy away from Mm -hmm. he's a little too scared to ride his bike on the dirt or he doesn't want to play with the other boys because he's not sure how it's going to go or whatever it is you know Mm -hmm. um he doesn't want to get in the canoe you know, so you invite him into situations where he gets to face his little fears and overcome them mm-hmm. because then he discovers I'm the man. Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Then he discovers, whoa, I got what it takes. And so you're building that into him. I love you. You have what it takes. Gosh, that's awesome. And it's funny because when I think about like my, my own two kids, five and almost three. I mean, it's the same thing. Like you just, you just like, you can't, it's not something I've taught them. I'm not teaching them to be wild animals. They just are, they just are like, they're nuts. They, like you said, they want to jump off of everything. Like if we're playing in the, in the den and like, you know, we're all playing around, whatever. And I tickle my wife, my five-year-old comes out of nowhere, like trying to knock me into next week. Like he's going to protect mom. Like he's got all this in him, And it's so funny to see it. Yeah. And one of the things that okay, I've had, let me, let, let me pause ahead. on that real quick, though, because I can hear some of your listeners saying not my kid. And, and there are there are boys that don't like the wrestling. They don't mm-hmm. they don't like, you know, breaking stuff. They're, they're more quiet. Jo- Joseph Nicolosi, when his book called them kitchen window boys, they're the boys who watch mm-hmm. the other kids from the kitchen window. And you got to be real careful with that little boy's heart because highly sensitive boys and our middle son is a highly sensitive boy. Now he's grown up to be a remarkable man, but he cried really easily and, and he was a real sensitive kid and it was a source of enormous shame to him. And you got to go after that little guy's heart and say, I'm not asking you to be on the football team. Let's find out how Jesus made you. What are you good at? And my son, the middle the sensitive one was good at art. And so we're going to go, we're going to do art, you know, and we're Mm going to, and, and so, because if you don't cultivate courage in the heart of the kitchen window boy, then he will stay at that kitchen window all his life. So gently, lovingly, without too much of the macho, you know, Mm -hmm. Because he's not there. He, he doesn't yep. want to be on the football team. He doesn't want to play rugby. He doesn't want to shoot guns. You, you've got to call him into courage in ways that he comes alive. And, and so find out where his heart is coming alive and call him into courage there so he doesn't stay at the kitchen window. Yeah, that's such a great point. And my oldest is he's a bit like that where he'll get excited about something, but he does have a little bit of like a social anxiety where he'll, you know, you step up to go do something and people are watching and it's, a, you know, the excitement's gone really quickly. And there's, 
we've walked that line, my wife and I, of like, how do we handle that, right? And, and my take on it has always been, I want to, if, if that's what he was excited to do in the first place, then I want to encourage him to con continue to do it. So like, he loves baseball. He'll, he loves to play, he, has, he gets all excited about it, but then when we get to the game, he doesn't really want to go up to bat. He'll get nervous, whatever. Oh, yeah. But on the other side of that, seeing him walk off the field an hour later, just grinning ear to ear, it doesn't matter if he hit the ball. It doesn't matter if he touched the ball the whole game. Yeah. He's just so proud of himself for having, I guess, just taken that little bit of a leap. And Big I think time. that's a really subtle thing, um, you know, for parents to, to pay attention to. And, it, and this one, th another example, this might even sound crazy, but like my, our two-year-old, he's learning to, to, he's potty training right now. And when you're two years old and you go up to the potty to pee, you pull your pants down to your ankles. And you can get a little bit tangled up in that, right? So my two-year-old will be trying to pull his pants up and like he wants to be like big brother. So he's trying to pull him up and he gets frustrated and he'll start crying and, say, and you know, just start screaming, crying. And it may sound crazy, but like, I just don't really want to pull his pants up for him. I want to be there to help him. But I, same idea, like I want him to be able to pull his, like help him get his pants up and then he'll cheer. Like he pulled his pants up. And it's like, again, it just sounds crazy, but I think there's something... I think there's something in there if you're, if we're willing to, I guess, be intentional with a moment like that. What are, what are your thoughts on something that's, yeah. I guess maybe that's small with a little. Yeah, job. no, no, no. Cause this is where it's all lived out. It's lived out in the small stuff, not the big stuff. Um, the message is you got this buddy. Mm -hmm. You got this, you yep. got this pal. And if you need a little help, I'm here to help, you know, and, um, but you got this and that's yep. what you want to build into him is that assurance of, I can handle life. I can handle this. I can handle that. I can, you know, mm -hmm. I got a speech to give in class and I'm terrified. You got this, buddy. you got this. Now let's practice it 20 times together at home. So you really feel good, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the fathering part. I'm going to set you up for success. You got this, pal. Yeah, I, I love that. So within, so with raising a little wild man, right? So you've got this with the, with the courage, with the strength, with with the masculine tendencies that we have. There's an inherent risk that also, I guess, counteracts that as as especially as they grow older. For me, it's easy with a two and five year old. They can't get like the risk isn't that dangerous really with anything right now, unless they somehow got on the roof because they'd probably jump. They're wild. But as your kids start to get older, I think there's I, maybe there's just more of an opportunity for bravery and courage and strength and whatever that they are doing, the, the, the inherent risk on the other side of that might be greater. And I, I can see that kind of clashing with the, I don't know what it is. Like as a parent, we just have like this protective instinct, I think to maybe shield our kids in a way. So is that something that you remember struggling with at all with watching your kids kind of be <clears throat> grow into their own and, and start to walk their own path, but also maybe worry for them a little bit in the same regard, because they are going to be exposed to more risk walking the path that they're walking. Right now, this week. So I got a, I got a 31 year old who's trying to buy a house <laughs> and he wants, he wants my counsel. And I'm really grateful mm -hmm. for that. I'm, I'm in there. I'm not, but also he, he wants to do it on his own mm -hmm. and, and he might make a dumb decision. <laughs> right. And yep. there's a lot of risk in that. There's a lot of risk in that, man. We're talking all his savings. We're talking, you know, all that. Um, I got to let him take that risk. I cannot protect him from failure. Because bottom line, guys, if you think about most of the lessons you've learned in your life, you probably learn them through your mistakes. Wisdom comes from mistakes, mm -hmm. not from somebody else telling you how to do everything right. Okay, my other son is changing careers and he's taking a huge leap. I mean, we're talking a big flying leap off the house. Okay, <laughs> he's jumping off the roof. Yeah. And part of me wants to go, whoa, 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 hang on, Tiger. Like, love your dreams, love your, you know, kind of thing. But let's, and that's wrong. That's wrong because he's got to take risks. And so his parents, like, yes, bodily harm. You know, my nine-year-old walked in when Luke was nine one day and he said, hey, dad, can I have a chainsaw? <laughs> and the answer is no. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. no, you can't have a chainsaw. 
I love your wildness. I love your creativity. He wants to go out and build stuff. No, you can't have a chainsaw. Like that's okay to say no. Bodily harm is a good, is a good boundary (laughs) for how much risk do they take? Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Okay. That's huge. And um, emotional harm. But this is where as parents, we're going to have to push those boundaries out a little bit because we think, oh, if he fails, he'll never try again. That's just not true. That's not true. Failure, failure doesn't harm if there is a parent who is there to help them interpret it. Okay. Because mm-hmm. if you look back at like your damaging failure, you go, yeah, nobody was there to help me make sense of that. Why did that happen? You know? But if, but if a father or mother is there to help interpret the failure, you got to open up some uh, room to fail, mm-hmm. room to fail, gang. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, it'd be a, con- a convicting question to ask is, as a parent is, you know, who are we trying to protect? Are we really trying to protect our child or are we trying to protect our, like ourselves, our emotion, watching our child? And that's something I, I'm trying to stay keyed into and, and remember, like you said, like if we don't let them have that experience, that failure, even if we know there's, it's, it's likely that there's going to be a failure that's not going to hurt them badly, like you said, that we're cheating them if we don't let them have that, right? Like there's, it's yep. a, I feel like it's that uh, impactful to be yep. present, but also out of the way enough to let them go. Yep. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. And I, I, you know, you have the whole behave yourself thing, behave yourself in public, behave yourself in church. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I really was just busted one day to realize, you know what, this is far more about me than it is about them, particularly mm-hmm. like in, in church or in family settings where mm-hmm. I don't want people going, whoa, what kind of a dad is he? His kids are running all over the place or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's oh, about yeah. me. It's about my reputation. That's yep. terrible. Yep. That is a terrible reason to demand good behavior, right? And, and, it, and so as you think about like discipline issues, if you think about failure and risk and all that, gang, this is about their heart. It's not about their performance. It's about their heart. And you are here to shepherd their heart into a good place, into strength, mm-hmm. into the love of God into what they are created to do. And, and so my oldest son was really into the whole computer video game thing. And I, I'll be honest with you. I hate that stuff. (laughs) I hate it. I'm an outdoors guy. Like I want to go do real things. Mm Let's, let's, let's go, let's go take the dogs for a walk. Let's go chuck a Frisbee around. Let's go shoot some hoops. Like, come on, let's get outside. Let's go do real things. And I realized that the mess, my son told me, he said, one day he said to me, you and mom don't like video games. And so I feel like you don't like me. Mm. And I'm like, oh, dang, we have sent the wrong message that that that's just that's just because I'm not a gamer. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm putting all this shame on him that was just really wrong. Mm-hmm. And I had to like rewind that reel and go, whoa, no, you're great at this. You're good at computers let's, let's let that place thrive. Let's figure out how, you know, this can be like a place of, of joy and learning and growing and using, you know, computer tools to grow. And da, 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 da. Yeah. How so, do you, how do you do that for someone who's listening, who may be kicking themselves a little bit going, Oh man, I know, ex- I know that moment. I've had that moment. Like how can they step in and maybe counteract or unwind? Like you said, that effect. Okay, so, so two things. Um, let's talk about apologizing. Um, when your kids are really young, and, and I mean like your age, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five, they're not ready yet to kind of do big relational processing. Mm-hmm. So you just say, hey, daddy really blew it. I think I hurt your feelings. Did I hurt your feelings, sweetheart? Yeah, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Okay, pretty simple, mm-hmm. right? When they get into adolescence, like there's much more processing that needs to go on there. And, and you got to own up to some hard conversations and say, hey, I think there's been a lot of shaming around, you know, the gaming or it might be your friend group or the girl you're interested in or whatever the shame. 
go, I think there's been a lot of shaming in this. And I just need to know how you're doing. And, and how are we doing? How are we doing, pal? And let him put words to it of like, well, to be honest, I feel a lot of pressure around you. Or you're going to be surprised what comes out of his mouth. He, he might say, I just feel like you're disappointed in me all the time. Whoa. And so then, then you got to own that. And you got to say, I get it. I blew it. And, and I'd, I'd like a fresh start. Uh, let's get a fresh start here. I, yeah. I, I want to reframe this. I'd have to imagine your reaction to hearing, like if you're going to invite your child to give you something like that, I'd have to imagine, and I get, I'm not quite there yet. So again, easy for me to say, but I'd have to imagine that the, the reaction that you give there either tells your child, dad can handle this. Dad is full of, you know, he's full of crap. He's not listening at all anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the quick apology, right? When mm -hmm. they lay something out there and go, Oh man, I just feel like I get your anger a lot. I just, I just get your anger. The, the quick, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Like that's BS guys. Like that's yeah. not, that's not reconciliation. That's not repairing the relationship. That's just covering your, you know, you, you own it. You go, yep, you are right. And I ask your forgiveness. I yeah. I don't, I don't think we, we, we often, or I often fail to give my kids enough credit for how smart they really are for their ability to just perceive my intention. Like exactly what you just said, the quick apology five years old, my son's like, mm -mm, nope. It'll, it'll throw it right back at me and, and it'll yep. call me on it. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah that's um, good. That's good. So I want to go back to the question, um, you know, do I have what it takes? And I want to think about this more from, I guess, from a grown man perspective. So someone who's a husband, he's a father. Why, why does that question matter so much to someone who's, you know, in their thirties and their forties, whatever it may be? It's, it, it is the question. The search for validation is the core search of a man's life. And, you know, you look at, you look at the story of Christ at his baptism and he comes up out of the water and the father speaks and God doesn't, God, the father doesn't do this very often in the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. Like he speaks out loud so everybody can hear. And he says, I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you. And you go, whoa, if Jesus of Nazareth needed to hear words of validation, how much more do we? Okay, so that's not a bad thing that you crave validation. We need it. And, and you've got to sort out what are the messages that I've lived under? What was my dad's message to me about who I am and, and do I have what it takes? And what's the world's message to me? And, and then like, what are the agreements I'm making mm -hmm. with all that stuff? Have you, made, have you already made agreements with, I, I suck. I, I'm not good at this. I'm a terrible dad. I, I'm failing. I, like, whoa, 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 time out. Like, you will live under that cloud for the rest of your life. The, the need to hear the Father speak, the need for validation will be with us till the day we die. It's not something that you outgrow, okay? And, and so you got to do a couple things with that journey. You got to look back and, and, and name for yourself, what was my dad's message to me? Did I know that he adored me? Did he tell me a hundred jillion times you have what it takes? Like, is that in my soul? Because if not, I got to get that. Like, I got, I got, and I probably need to get some healing from what was said. Mm -hmm. uh, and then now you have a father. You do. You have a father. Your God is actually your father. And, and you got to go to him and say, how am I doing? How am I doing? You got to talk to me. I, I, I need to know, do I have what it takes here as a dad? Do I have what it takes in my career? Because words from God can just change your life. When he says, I'm really proud of you. You're doing great. 
Yeah, I, I've I've thought about this a lot, and one of the things I think it gets I think we get lost in, or what I've gotten lost in in the past is, and it's I think it's a lazy conclusion to jump to is that there, like I think it's it's the role of the ego in all of this, and that there's like a way that we can evolve out of ever needing any validation. Period. When like what you just said, that's just not true. Like that is not true. But it's the real danger in it all seems to be where we get our validations from. So like if we are not going to God and we are maybe we're carrying that wound like you talked about, we start chasing these these other things. Um, and I can say like for me, like if there wasn't a wound involved or anything. I was, um, you know, my wife and I got married at a young age, had kids at a young age, which is is all awesome. But the I think when I when I interpreted all the responsibility that came from that, I had this well-intentioned endeavor to just be a dutiful, like serving like husband and father and provide for the family. And somewhere along that process, you know, it just turned into me taking validation from my career, from my control of my finances, from, um, you know, it was like this, this endeavor to just completely eradicate all elements of risk in my life. Yeah. And once I real like, and then COVID happened and I had to sit still and it was like all these things. And you talk about this in the book, the things that the, the world rewards us for all those things. It was like, doesn't mean a darn thing right now. You're sitting at home. What really, what really matters? And it just forced me. I, I always, I say it all the time, but it's like, God pinned me down and made me realize what was really going on and to question the, the agreements. Like you said, like what really where am I seeking this validation from? Like it wasn't from God. It really was from all these other material places. And for me, I mean, the biggest outcome of that, I would say is I was, you know, I was, a, I turned into a workaholic. I was not, not uh, present the way that I should have been like emotionally with my kids and, you know, rushing through bedtime to go get to eat, just stuff like that. And, you know, I, I kind of had that moment, I guess, where all that got stripped away. And, and, and that's around that time was when I read uh, Wild at Heart. And then that's really what kind of changed my life and helped me yeah. reorient my, my whole life um, in a different way. And the biggest thing um, is, is really just the orientation with risk, like risk not being a bad thing. We talked about, you know, the, the inherent risk with the wild nature of, of masculinity. I would love to hear you kind of, I guess, break that down a little bit for us. The, the role that risk has to play in our lives as, as Christian men. Yeah. <clears throat> so when Jesus said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. Holy cow, man. You can just look at guys' lives and see that happening. So I got to get everything under control. And, and you become a fearful, angry, controlling, dominant guy. And there's no joy in it. Mm -hmm. Right? There's no life in it. And the people around you don't like living under that kingdom. You know, uh, or or on and on it goes. The guy is like, oh no, it's success. I just got I, life is in success. I got to get you know. And then he's driven. I was that guy, driven, 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 and it almost killed my marriage. You know, there's no life in it. And so, guys, we just got to come to terms with this. Even even if you get things nailed down today, God's going to up the stakes tomorrow. So you're going to get parenting pretty well figured out in the five-year-old years. You got Legos, you got bike riding, you know, yep. you got story time. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you get a teenager <laughs> and you're like, I know nothing. I know God just keeps changing. You know, so you, you have a, you have a young wife and, mm -hmm. and things are great and it's romantic and that kind of thing. And then around about the thirties, every woman I know, starts realizing whoa i'm not doing as well as i thought and it's it's her story and it's her undealt with pain and a lot of them end up in counseling offices which is a really good thing mm -hmm. right and the husband's mm -hmm. going what the what the you tricked me you you <laughs> told me you were completely put together and now i think you're crazy which is what a young man told me the other day he said she tricked me she tricked me <laughs> I didn't know how broken she was. Guys, I don't care what it is. God's going to keep moving 
the finish line. He's gonna, he's gonna keep you in the frontier because he is developing courage and love in you. And, and as you grow in your capacity to kind of handle life, God says, well done, let's up the stakes a little, mm -hmm. right? I want you to start your own company. I want you to go back to school and get a graduate degree. I want, and you're like, what? Whoa. And you know, he keeps taking it up. It's a beautiful thing. It's not something to fear because he's developing in you more resilience and frankly, more intimacy with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I felt that a little bit with this podcast. Um, you know, it's, it's a fear of mine to, you know, public speaking is to this point, been my biggest fear, but I found myself at a crossroads of, of fear and excitement. And I really felt like God kind of put this on me. And I honestly, like, I have no idea where it's going, but I know who I'm going with. Like, I know I'm walking with God in it. And it's, it's been a real journey for me to, I guess, just be submissive to that and let go of the outcome, let go of what I want to come from it and just yes. be in it. And it's brought me closer to God in a different way than I, than I ever have been, but it's taken that level of like, yeah. I used to hate risk, try to eradicate it to, I have to have it. It's inherent in this relationship with God that I want and that we need yeah. and that we crave. Um, yeah. So I would, I would yeah. love to hear hang on, you. Hang on. Let's, let's no, pause ahead. on that. Let's pause on that. Cause that's big. What you are describing is that life life is will not work without god mm -hmm. it doesn't folks a and god will thwart your life until you start following him because what he wants is the intimacy you know he says i will be a father to you and you will be my son and until we get that lined up and the conversation is, where are we going, Father? And he says, hey, I want you to start this podcast. And you're like, what? You know, <laughs> that's, that's where the gold is. Where are mm -hmm. we going, Father? What are we doing? And this will help you in everything, gang. Like you can say, I've got this five-year-old son. I don't, he's anxious. I don't know what to do, Father. Mm -hmm. And God will bring you help. He'll bring you answers. You'll read something great. You'll hear another podcast, you know. How are we doing? Lord, this marriage I'm in, I need your help. This career I don't have. What do I do? Father, help me. That's what it's all about. God has rigged the world so that it will not work without him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the part of the book that um, I think it's chapter 11, The Adventure to Live. That is the part of the book that when I say it lit me on fire, I mean, there's people that, you know, a lot of people listen to music when they work out. There's people that, you know, do all different things. If I listen to that, I'm ready to run through a brick wall, that adventure to live. Because when you, when you go through that in the book, like that was the orientation change in my, in my head. I was like, gotta, gotta have this risk. Right. But I, I want to pose the question to you for the guy who is, you know, he's a husband, he's a father there's a lot of responsibility that comes in that, right? Like those are roles that we take so much pride in that we love to pour into. And then we want to pour into, but we do also have this element of adventure that we crave. So for a guy who is maybe, you know, he's, he's got, he's in those circumstances and he's got the, you know, he's got the mortgage and he's thinking about paying for college and he's got bills and he's wanting to provide a good life. How, how do you help a guy like that? Who's maybe sitting there find his his adventure to live like the, what he's craving if he doesn't have a ton of the time or necessarily the resources the, or the opportunity to go pursue it yeah <clears throat> okay this is so good let's let's break this into into three categories so um there's casual adventure it, it's uh golfing fishing getting on your road bike it's getting out for a run you know it casual adventure is easy, it's accessible, and it nourishes your soul. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of guys bail on that as they get into family, career, you know, grad school, they just stop doing the stuff that brings them life, mm -hmm. right? They, they, don't, <clears throat> they don't play hoops down at the Y anymore or whatever it is. You gotta keep casual adventure in your life. And, and I mean, guys, fucking 20 minutes, just, mm -hmm. just get on your road bike and go ride, you know? 
you need that. You need that. That's an easy daily or weekly thing, okay? But then there's more serious levels of adventure, right? Kind of like what we would call crucial adventure. And I would say, are you kidding me? You're in it. You're a dad. <laughs> You're in the adventure. Yep. Like, that's it. Yep. You, are, you are on the frontier, man. Like you are in it. You're married or you want to get married or you're dating a girl. You're in it. You are in it. You are in the more crucial adventures. The crucial adventures are, are the big things of life, right? It's the people you love, the, you know, the work you have to do. And, but then there's even a higher level of adventure. And, and it is following God. And if you, if you notice this, I mean, you, you read the scriptures, you read the biographies of great men, there comes a point in their life where they decide to follow God. And, and more than like a faith, more than a Sunday thing, they go, you know what? I actually want to follow God. And, and that is the highest level of adventure at all. And you don't have to leave town. <laughs> that's available every day uh, and and we need all three levels right you need the casual because it nourishes your soul you need the crucial levels of adventure because that's family friendships you know but you need to walk with god you need to choose a life with god yeah that's so good because i i think it's you know i think the comparison element with with social media and stuff like that like guys who are looking they're looking for an adventure, but they're looking in the wrong places and they're just comparing, oh, so-and-so just went on an elk hunt and like, I can't afford to go out on that elk hunt. And I'm like, I'm not going to go leave home for seven days. Like, it's just not going to happen. So then it's, oh, chalk it up as a loss. No adventure for me. Too bad. Rather than, wow, like there, there is a, like, we're in the middle of an adventure. Like you said, like keeping a house in order, that's an adventure that takes a lot. And if you pour into it and you take some pride into it and really turn into it, I mean, that's an adventure. And then, you know, to your point, I mean, just following God, literally trying to walk with God and, and, and be submissive to that and trust in that and be okay with, I will say to, to, the, to that point, the biggest flip, one of the biggest flips for me has been, I realized that in the past, I tried to use God as like a tool for something that I wanted, like trying to use God as an outcome that I wanted to curate for myself rather than saying, I'm just going to be a vessel here and a player in his bigger story and do what I feel like I'm called to do because he said so. And then he'll take care of the outcome and just yeah. let, just let it go and let it go from there. And that's tough. It's been, it's, it's a challenge. It calls you on yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But you got a smile on your face. Yeah. It, it's life. It's, it's that cross. Better, it's it's a, it's like I said before, the crossroads of, to me, it's the fear and excitement. Like, I don't know what it is. There's like a little bit of fire that I feel like God has put in my belly. And it's exactly. my job to kind of kindle that fire. Yeah. Um, which brings up another question I wanted, I wanted to ask you, and it's a little bit more general about faith, but it's in the same vein, I think. And I, I think about, I've been thinking about this and trying to unpack this and it's the balance between like the sovereignty of God and the will of man and the role that I guess we're supposed to play, or we should play, or, you know, we should be pursuing in that. And I know that's, that's a, kind of a big open-ended question, but if you have an immediate reflection on that or a thought on that, I'd love to hear it. He, he has given you a daily example in your children. When your guy was six months old, you did everything for him. You chose mm -hmm. what he was going to wear. You choose what he's going to eat. He, you know, and when he's two, you're tying his shoes. You're helping him pull his pants up. But, but as he gets older, you know, he's five years old. He's picking out his own T-shirt, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to wear that today. And you give him <laughs> that. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. As as children mature, we as parents increase the boundary of their will. Mm. We we increase the playing field of their choices. And then one day they choose to leave and have a spouse and a family and that kind of thing. And you bless that, right? Because you want them to be adults. God does mm -hmm. the same thing with us. He does the exact same thing. He doesn't want puppets. He wants fully mature sons and daughters. And so, yeah, he, you know, we start out with a life that has just a lot of constraint on it, but then he starts opening up the playing field for us and our yeah. choices matter and they matter immensely. And, 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 you know, this is back to failures and risk-taking and all that. He doesn't save us from every failure. 
yep. because no good parent does, right? Mm-hmm. But, but what he God, does so is he, he offers to walk with us. Mm-hmm. He offers to walk with us. And that is irreplaceable. That's that's so good. And that, that helps me a lot. I, I, I really did want to ask you that question. So I'm glad that came up here uh, towards the end. So as, as we are moving close to time here, I want to ask you a, a personal question or two. So John, like, like I mentioned at, at the beginning, I mean, you, the count of men that you have helped, I mean, legitimately play a role in, in saving their hearts and saving their marriages and saving, you know, that's generational change and them being able to raise their kids differently, who will then raise their kids, you know, that is generational you've got a beautiful marriage, you've got beautiful kids, and now you've got grandkids, and you've written all these books and done all these work and helped helped all these people. Is considering all that, what are you the most, what are you the most proud of in your life to this point? That my children still feel safe with me, that they will bring their heart's deepest questions to me. You know, we are enjoying helping them now with their young marriages mm-hmm. and career choices and stuff. And that, that I was the kind of dad that now when they don't have to, mm-hmm. and they could blow me off, man, <laughs> you know, that, that, that they want, that they want to come back. And even more than that, uh, I, I would say um, that they love playing with me still. Like we still goof off together and now it's adult goof off. It's motorcycles and, you know, fishing <laughs> trips and stuff, yep. but that they, that they want to hang out with me. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, it's that. Um, but I think even the deeper thing is um, that when, when my time is up, my kids will say, holy cow, my dad really loved God. Like, that's the biggest thing I'm proud of. They'll, they'll say, my dad had this crazy relationship with God. God, that's so good. That's such a great answer. Well, John, we're, we're up on time here. Um, so I, I want to thank you again so much, not just for making time for us today, obviously for that, but just for doing the work that you have done throughout your career. Like I told you, it has touched and changed my life. That's for sure. And and thousands and thousands of other men and women as well. So, um, yeah, just I cannot thank you enough, John. It has been an absolute privilege and an honor to uh, to have you here on the podcast. And uh, maybe one day down the line, we'll do it again. And we'll we'll talk about what it's like having little girls. Maybe if I'm ever blessed to have one. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to see you face to face sometime, Brennan. It's been great. It's been great. Well done. Way to follow God. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you later. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.